Hi everybody, welcome back to Let's Talk PMA, where we focus on the four C's of mental toughness. Confidence in yourself and your abilities. Control of your thoughts, feelings, and actions. Commitment to yourself, your team, and your sport. And challenge, to accept all challenges as opportunities, not threats. Hi everybody, welcome back. Thank you for joining us again today. We have a super special guest. This is Megan Esting, who is a swim coach and a parent as well. Megan, thank you for coming on. If you want to go ahead and just introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I feel like I wear a lot of hats. Um, I think the most predominant hat seems to be coaching, even though I am a, a parent and a wife and a friend and a daughter and, and all those things. And keeping that in mind is um, just part of the balance that we go through. So uh, I've been coaching swimming for a really long time. I was brought up in the sport. Um, I had great coaches. I feel like I had pretty good parenting too. You know, I mean, we, we all bring our journey with us and uh, I don't know. I, I feel like that gives us interesting perspective on youth athletics, raising our kids, uh, having been through it as a kid, as a parent and as a coach. So many hats, lots of perspective. <laughs> It's it's fun to look back at all the hats that we wear and how we actually manage all of those tasks that we put ourselves into. Um, one of the things that we always talk about is boundaries with parents. You know, how is you? How do you, as a coach and a parent, how do you find the find your boundary with each one and separating those? That's, I feel like that's hard, no matter what hat you're wearing as a coach, as a parent, um, even just as an onlooker, like we watched a water polo game last night with my stepson and, um, you know, I was a spectator parent, I coach half the kids on the swim team, you know, so I think what it, the hard part is in values alignment, when that's not going well, I think that's actually something to talk about. I think when it, when it comes down to what skills is that coach teaching my child, not your territory. When it comes to the progression of teaching and the curriculum of teaching, like the actual organizational program, I think the boundaries need to be pretty firm, you know, but sometimes the values in the home and the values in the organization or the values of the person leading that group in, uh, you know, that team or, or, or that squad when those values aren't aligned, I think that's when the problems really come up. And I think there needs to be an understanding that that families get to have their values, organizations get to have their values. And in the overlap of that Venn diagram, we can do really good things. Um, but parents can't force an organization to align their values with them. And organizations cannot force families to align their values with them. And so there needs to be some space it, it, outside of the overlap where we can we can be pretty clear about what we're doing. So I'm I'm raising my kid and two hours of the day or a, whatever portion of their heart is being invested over here, but that's outside of the home. And I'm I'm passing you my child to learn in your environment. You can choose not to, but I, I, I'm not going to change the environment or my values if they're strong and clearly stated. 
because they don't match your family because we have, you know, families are diverse. We have lots of different uh, kinds of families that come to us for lots of different reasons. So making sure that an organization is clear on what they're offering and where you stand in some of these things, I think can help alleviate a lot of problems as, as a parent, I've had my kids in activities where I think, our values are very much aligned and I've had my kids in activities where I feel my values are very much not aligned. Like, you know, a coach throwing a, a, a clipboard, <laughs> having a sure. tantrum, yeah. you know, and you're like, okay. That's not, so when that's that happens, a, I feel like, no, no. So, you know, if you have um, someone with their, with their child parts coming up in a, a leadership context, I do feel like you need to process that out with the kids and it has nothing to do with play this. Yeah. It has nothing to do with playing time or, or anything like that. It has to do with your kid is going to see adults with not adult behavior that you don't want them to see as a model, but you can certainly use it as a discussion point. And I think you should, and you say, Hey, it sounds like coach was looked like coach was really frustrated today. How'd you feel when he broke his clipboard? Um, yeah, I might feel like that too. Um, how do you how do you wish he would have talked to you? Do you know what he wanted? Was that the best way to get it? And I've been in situations as an athlete where it's run the spectrum. I I I swam and I played water polo, and those are very two different very different cultures. And I remember at the beginning of playing water polo, I thought like can they talk to us like that? <laughs> Is that okay? And then, you know, so I'm, so I'm sort of following the lead of people that have been in that sport for a long time. And I remember one time it finally like broke, I, I like fear, 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 fear. And then finally it was, it was like ludicrous. And I was like, okay, I can't take you seriously. That was a ridiculous comment. <laughs> and yeah. so, so I think if you can get to that place, my, um, one of my kids is in a working environment right now and is having some difficulty figuring out how to work with her leadership, their leadership. And um, I said, you know, sometimes you need to treat it like it's the office. It's not funny if you're in it, but if you can pretend like you're watching it and it's satire and it's ridiculous, it's a lot easier to handle it and go, oh, that's actually kind of funny. So yeah. I think helping your kids have perspective, depersonalizing some things, making sure you can help them understand that someone else's behavior is a reflection on them and where they're at. And your behavior is still a reflection on you and where you're at in your journey. And so parsing those things out, I think depersonalizing it takes a lot of the shame that kids feel when they're adults don't behave well when they when they sort of siphon their gunk onto yeah. their kids so right. helping them understand that the gunk is theirs and you can wear a rain jacket I think is really important yeah and that's a good point and I like the point the facts that you know you take your kids and are able to talk to them about the feelings that they have when a coach has performed in a way that they don't agree with you know and I don't know that all parents are able to take their kids and say, what did you feel about that? You know, usually they take that feeling on themselves and get mad at the yeah. coach saying, Hey, you didn't do this, but 
and kind of bypassing the kids. Well, when you take the kids perspective into it to yourself and go, okay, now how do you, how would you deal with that? How would, you know, how would I deal with that? Um, getting them involved and not, and just talking about the feelings that you had from that is so important because then they can, you know, then they can internalize and understand why I felt that way. Yeah. Well, and that kind of, ah. that kind of goes into what we were talking about, about um, parents, like when it's important to be present um, because I mean, obviously it's very important to be present 90% of the time, but there are more important times to be present with the athlete than others, you know, like during a practice, like, you know, maybe you don't have to be, you know, how high, like walking, watching like a hawk, you know, you don't have to be doing that all the time because you know, that can be a little bit much, but like, if it's a one-on-one training, you probably want to watch, you know, you want to see what the coach is saying. You can pay attention to the finer details of what they're, you know, talking about. So then you can, you understand what they're saying and you can take that when you're working with them in the off time, or if they're just practicing in the off time and you're there, you can still continue to help them in that way as well. And that helps with that communication, you know, and being able to say, okay, from this one-on-one training, what did you take from this? You know, what were the good things? How did you feel when they said this? You know, same thing with practices, like you were saying, how did you feel? What do you, you know, are you improving? Do you think you're improving? Do you think this is the right, you know, club or the right team for you to be on? Like, is there, do we need to make adjustments? Yeah, I think when those questions come up, um, you know, leadership from parents and leadership from coaches is really important. When something, when an athlete feels like something's not quite right, they often don't have the answers for what would be the correction. They just have a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's the adults in their lives that, that need to have conversations about guidance. So when an athlete just has that pit in their stomach or things aren't quite good, even through processing with them, they really may not be able to identify what's going on. And sometimes when parents or coaches push into that, like, well, what is it? I'll fix it. What is it? That feels, sometimes that feels to parents or coaches like they're having an empowering conversation with their kid. But I would argue that they're not having an empowering conversation with their kid because their kid doesn't know. And it just puts a lot of pressure on them. Like, what would make this better for you? A coach would say, well, what kind of what kind of training would, would you like if you don't like the training we have now? I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what's out there. I'm 14 or 12. Yeah. Even at 18, like, that, yeah. I'm not even sure. I'm not a coach, you know, and a parent might do the same thing. Well, how would you like to have conversations with me about this? If you're, you know, feeling threatened or you feel like you don't, you don't want to talk to me about it. <laughs> I don't think they know. Well, I think a lot we of just want to feel safe. And a lot of times, yeah, exactly. They want to feel safe. And a lot of times if, if kids are saying they don't know it's because they don't, a lot of times they don't want to cause conflict. They don't want to hurt someone's feelings. They don't want to, you know, be be in jeopardy of hurting somebody or not being able to perform because they feel a certain way. And so, yeah, they, they close down because they are, they're scared of what the consequences will be. Yeah. I mean, I like how, you know, especially if they hear their parent at home talking about the coach. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you're fine. (laughs) Um, 
but I like, you know, how you're talking about, you know, kind of got to break down those questions, you know, if they don't know, because sometimes, I mean, I know as an athlete, there were times where I genuinely had no idea. It wasn't, uh, I wasn't worried about anything or worried about hurting someone's feelings. I genuinely was like, I do not know. Um, and so that's where like that being present is so important because you can watch the signs, you know, are they coming home from practice crying every day? You know, is like, do, is their self-esteem just totally, you know, dropped? Are they improving? Like, what are they saying and what is the actions that are happening and how is your athlete responding to it to be able to like make that decision? Because sometimes they just genuinely don't know, you know, like when I was in college, my first year playing basketball, I came home from practice and games every single time, just in a puddle of tears. And it wasn't because of what I was doing. It was because of the coach and, you know, like I did everything I possibly could do and the coach could care less and just treated me terribly. And so, and the team treated me terribly as well. And so it was just, you know, it wasn't an environment that I wanted to stay in. And it happened in the second year too. I had an opportunity to stay for a third year. And I said, because of the environment that I have been in for the past two years, I will not keep staying in this environment. Yeah. I think it's really important to make sure that your kids know or, or that they are, they're participating in a way that serves them and to be explicit about how this sport is here to serve you in your growth, in your journey and not the other way around. You're not, you're not bound to your sport. You're not bound to your coach. You're not bound to your team. And that doesn't mean you don't want to act in service to all of those three things. But I think it's important that we frame what it is we're doing from the outset. So the the kids that are 12 and 14 and, and then 16, like they're starting to bond with the sport. But what does it mean then to keep that a healthy, context and what choices do you make past that and you know sometimes like we're going through with our juniors the recruiting process with swimming right now and as they're making these decisions I want them coming from values alignment to choose the school and the the team and all that but even deeper than that I think it's important that the athletes are very clear about what it is about this pursuit that is beneficial on their journey and it doesn't have to be an olympic gold medal or anything equivalent to that but if maybe their parents have been performance oriented or investment oriented meaning i've put a lot of time and money into your basketball so yeah you need to fund your college because we paid this so you could pay that and if if you're not giving us a return on that investment, I mean, they don't often say it in this way. Sometimes they say it in this way. But when they're communicating that now you now you need to serve us, we serve you as parents and now you serve us through your engagement and they get frustrated that it's not a one-to-one -one return on their investment or anything. But the process was valuable regardless of what kind of collegiate support they got for funding you would have put your kids in piano lessons anyway, and they were never going to be a, a concert pianist. You would have put them in soccer. 
you would have put them in art classes. You you would have done these things with the return on investment being framed as their experience and their growth. So I don't think sports should be any different just because there there is funding available. There are cool things available. And I think college athletics are awesome because you, you have this other adult caring for them in their sort of adult halfway house as they <laughs> go off to college and, right. and yeah. tread water themselves, you know, and they've got teammates that are supposed to be supportive that are, they're doing this with them. And it's, it's oftentimes easier for them to complete their four years it, academically if they have this sort of small group that they are aligned with. But when there's misalignment, it leaks over into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Misalignment with what the sport is, where you are, what your parents have wanted, what your coaches did want, will want, and where you stand in your own journey because your values might change. I mean, a 12-year-old is really just probably mostly expressing the values of their family and their their subculture. Mm-hmm. But at 14 and 16 and 18, there's some individuation that's going on and sometimes you choose a program that would make your parents happy and your growth was going in a different direction and you discover you want something else or that this does not serve you and I think making sure that you're in the moment of what's right for you right now and what living out your truth is as you go through all those changes I think is really important and those are hard conversations to have because sometimes we're not even, again, we're not even sure what's wrong. We, we don't even know what conversation we're supposed to be having. And, and that, that's hard. That's hard. Mm-hmm. So listening to your kid and just being real with them, I think is the most important thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, sports should never be an obligation. It should never be done for somebody else. Like sports are supposed to be fun. <laughs> like it's a yeah. game. The it's a game. Tried. Like, yeah, you want to win. Yeah, you want to be the best. Yeah, you want to keep, you know, improving. But, like, it should always be fun. it's fun. Always. It yeah, should, yeah it should be something that you enjoy. And that's, like, my biggest thing. If you start to not enjoy it, you need to have a, re- like, a, you need to reevaluate. Yeah. Because there's no reason that anybody should be in a sport or be a part of it if they're not enjoying it like that you're missing the point completely well and by the time they're 16 18 you know getting into that older years it starts their whatever sport they're playing it's going to start getting into their blood there's it's going to start being part of their everything and if it's not then they're not supposed to do it like you said it's part if their journey is off if their path is off and they're not feeling it then there has to be that conversation and it's as parents, it's our job to be able to say, you know, is this something that you really want to do? And that's a hard conversation because maybe you have put all this money into it and you think, okay, now what, you know, but it's their path. It's their journey. It's not ours. And it's very important as parents for us to understand that it's not us going through this, it's them. And we're just here to support them and to give them all the opportunities and every opportunity that they've had this far is going to continue throughout their life. They've learned this much throughout their life, you know, that it was going to support them. Yeah. And and that's a lot of like, you know, we're talking about like, it's your journey, it's your path, it's your, your choice. And, you know, I've been talking a lot recently about how so many sports 
are narrowing down their athletes to be one sport, like single sport athletes. Um, some coaches are physically not putting kids on teams because they are multi-sport athletes. And especially when you're young, elementary school, middle school, even high school, like you should absolutely be playing more than one sport. That's how you find your passion. You you play all these sports, you find which one is going to be the best, which one stuck with you the most, which one did you say I would rather go to? You know, that's how you find what that true sport is. I mean, if I play basketball from the moment I'm born until I'm in high school and I don't play any other sport, how do I know that I wasn't supposed to be a volleyball player? You know, how was I supposed to know I was I was supposed to be a track player or I wanted to do it? Maybe I loved running, you know, maybe that was something that I wanted to do, but I was told I can only play this one sport. I can only be in this one area. Well, I think that comes back to those boundaries. Like if you are offering practice Monday, Wednesday, Friday from four to five 30 and I attend practice four to five 30 and I learn the plays and I'm understanding and building skills, it isn't the coach's decision about what I do at six o'clock on a Thursday. That's my time. So in my time, I can swim and I can play tiddlywinks and I can play my violin and I can go run track. But if I'm showing up to practice and learning the plays, if I'm showing up to practice and I'm a cohesive member of the team, then it's out of bounds for the coach to restrict how I engage when I am fully engaged on their time. But that's their time. And my time is also outside of that. Now I understand, like, I remember when I was a little kid, I used, so before I was um, an athlete type person, I was a theater type person. And um, there was a point where I had missed some rehearsals because I didn't want to miss practice. And that's what I wanted to do. I loved what I was doing in rehearsals. I thought it was super fun. But sometimes as, as both activities ramp up and take more and more time, there might be an overlap there. So the the kid or the family, is they're going to make choices. Well, my role in that play got shifted because I wasn't there to learn and be a part of scripting that scene because I chose not to be there. So is that fair for them to do that? Absolutely. You weren't there when we rehearsed the dance. Yeah. So you have to be over here while this group that was here is doing the dance. So, so you're going to be on the side here doing a side role and then we'll continue going on the things that you're engaged with. And I think the same thing goes for soccer practice, you know, or, or, or softball or whatever it is, volleyball practice. If this is the play that we're practicing and you don't know that play, I can't have you out there during that play. You might be a better setter, but somebody else knows where to be. And so I'm going to put the person that knows where to be on that play. And, and yeah, your playing time might be diminished, but if it's because I didn't participate in the learning and skill development that I needed to be with the learning, if I'm behind and I'm going to botch the play, cause I wasn't there, I think it's fair to say, I can't, I got to limit that playing time oh, until you're up to speed. But if it's because you don't like what I was doing at uh, Thursday night at six o'clock, when that has nothing to do with basketball time or volleyball time. Now, now I think you're out of bounds. So there's choice in there. I can choose to come to practice. I can choose not to come to practice. 
the coach can choose to involve me in my develop in the in the team's development if I'm on par, and they can choose to sit me if I don't know whether I'm running left, running right, or or, or whatever. Because everybody else did learn the exercise. Absolutely. So yeah. if I don't know the exercise, that's not really fair, right? So. <laughs> Just, there's, there's, there's consequences that, absolutely. You know? <laughs> oh yeah I mean I've had parents come and yell at me and tell me oh my kid didn't get any playing time and I'm like well when was the last time your kid was out of practice and I I tell my athletes all the time, if you don't like if you don't know the plays I I can't play you I won't play you because yeah I'm yeah I would love to win I know it's not all about the wins but if I can't hold you accountable, if you're going to go out there and you're going to make the rest of the team look silly, you know, like that's not fair to the rest of the team. What happened to everybody else who's shown up to every single practice, who's put in the time, who's put in the extra time, you know, that's not fair. No, you don't parents, you do not get to come and yell at a coach. If your kid has not been at the last five practices, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) they got no idea what's going on. Well, and and swimming is unique in that manner because we can, so we just get up in our lane and do our thing, right? So we we all participate in the meets and we want everybody. So it's not the same thing as playing time. However, our training time really does have two wings to it. There's there's the curriculum group, which, which to me means like the, the play that I'm teaching today or for me, the technique or, or the uh, physiological development, I need you to have done today so I can teach tomorrow. I have to build on it. And if you missed Absolutely. last week, and I move up here, that's that's actually not even safe for their shoulders, for their bodies. If, if it was a technique thing, they don't know what's going on. I got to stop. Everybody else is being held back because I got to bring you up to speed. Now, if it's a curriculum development thing, then in order to be in that classroom or that squad, then there is a commitment to being there on curriculum. And And, I, and again, I feel like that's logically fair because if you would like to drop in, then that's more like an a la carte. Like this is a nutrition plan. And because you had steak on Tuesday, that means we're having chicken on Wednesday and we need to have broccoli on Friday or whatever it is. That holds together in more of the context than just those that two hour practice that night. But if I don't know when you're coming and it's like an a la carte meal, then each one of those needs to have all of the elements. I can't pull this one now and pull this one at another time that's curriculum development and so your participation in the whole matters so sometimes there is confusion about like well why can't my kid be in the performance group it well because it's a curriculum group and in order to get performance at that level I have to take a broader view of my development I can't just go with you know a a chicken sandwich and some carrots and apple juice every day (laughs) I got to be more expansive than that But if you want to drop in because you're playing basketball on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I'm who you're seeing on Tuesday, Thursday, we're going to cover a lot more with a a lot less depth. And we're going to make sure that it's never out of the range of your physiological development, uh, your your, your shoulders, your like, we're not going to hurt anything. So we have to go shallow dips every time. Whereas this, I can, I can go deep, but it's more of like, like putting an orchestra together, you know, where there's, there's lots of different parts and they all have to, they have to merge and they have to harmonize. So oh, yeah. sometimes I think when we talk to parents, like making sure they know you're not being punished for not coming. It's that putting you in here isn't the right 
that's, that's not leadership. That's not actually a healthy decision for your kid mentally and physically and emotionally, because they're going to be left behind. They're not going to know what's happening. That's not going to feel good. They're not going to be able to keep up if they don't have that base of development that happened over the past three weeks through consistency. So that that's not actually the right place, even though you do have hopes that their, that performance will come and it will to a point through participation on Tuesday and Thursday when you don't have a basketball game, but it isn't the same slope that you're creating in their learning. But again, that's logic. Of course, it's not going to be in the same slope because it wasn't happening with the same depth and consistency, but it's not a punishment to say, this is probably the right group for you, given your values and what you want to develop in your child. You've chosen to do three things. So you, you obviously can't be at practice Monday night at 4.30 and be at, at, at basketball practice and at swimming practice. So that choice, that I, I think again, like back to the boundaries, that's your choice as a family. I have these these two things to offer as an organization based around what you want to get out of this sport in the context of how you're raising your kids and your values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. You don't get to like, they don't get to choose like which group the kid gets to be in because that was organized in service to doing well within the sport. Right. That doesn't mean they don't have choice. Yeah. I think a lot of parents do forget that, you know, they're too worried about like their kid being the best at this and best at that. Or, well, why is this kid that, you know, on this team instead of my kid you know, my, my kid's just as good. Okay. Well, what time have you dedicated? What, what are your values? I see your child performing better in this group. You know, your kid's going to get 40 minutes of playing time in this group and is going to develop a lot faster in this group than if they were in this higher group, because if they're in that group, they're not going to get the playing time. They might get a couple minutes a game, they're not going to develop as fast because they're not caught up. You know, it, it's like, I would, I'm never going to set a kid up for failure. I would, I don't think that's fair. And I don't think it's fair for a parent either to try to set their kid up for failure. I know you want them to be the best, then have them be the best of this group. Yeah. Have them take right. their time, let them, you know, work through it. Yeah. Build their confidence through this group and once they've re- they've peaked in this group then we can adjust but allow them to be yeah. yeah. I would rather that goes back be to like a, yeah I'd absolutely be but, the best on a, on a lower team than for them to be the worst on the higher team yeah I, some people would some people would not and again like the emotional boundaries here are important like parents can be emotionally myopic if they have enmeshed themselves with the rewards that their kids get socially mm-hmm. and they need that then then emotional boundaries have been violated already so that it, it's not really about whether your kid gets the playing time or what group they're in it's about the parent has been enmeshed with what they want out of their kids experience not what is best for their kids so, and that, and that's hard. I think, you know, in order to be a good parent, it's, you need to be a really good adult and it, it's hard to be a really good adult. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, can you share some tips with us that as a coach um, working with athletes that um, you use with your parents? I, I would say the advice that I would give top of the pinnacle would be that although there's discomfort and sometimes pain involved in growth and learning and what, what we would call failure, rem remember that it's worth it for your kid, but also that it's worth it for you. And I like Jessica, when we were talking in Dallas, my own personal kid in my own in the sport that I lead had had a journey. And so there is deep empathy from me to parents who watch their children grow through struggle, through failure, however that's being defined by your emotional state. And I, th I think being explicit about how this is gonna hurt you too. Their growth is hard. It's hard for them and it's hard for you. And I think sometimes we don't acknowledge just how hard a kid's growth is on parents when it comes in the package of failure yeah. and, and hurt and disappointment. It's not just uncomfortable. Like, and that, like that thing behind me, like good things come to those who work hard. You have to work hard emotionally too. It's not yeah. huff and puff that's the big yeah. deal. Anybody can huff and puff. Anybody can like run harder for longer. But we're talking about the real stuff. Like, can you work hard on your emotional regulation? Can you work really, can you hold that? Can you sit in that guck, that hurt, that pain, that like, oh my gosh, I I hurt for my kid. Oh, yeah. okay. You can hurt for your kid. I get that you hurt for your kid. I hurt for my kid too. And sometimes I feel great for my kid. And, and that's cool too. But keeping it in context and helping them keep it in context, again, like sometimes depersonalizing it allows the growth to move through. And you can't just like tie up the happy feelings and pretend the bad ones like push those down. You, yeah. you, you got to ride all the waves that come. And I, I think that's the, that's the advice that I would give to parents is, I mean, it's life coaching them, it's life yeah. coaching and athletic coaching the kids. But I think one of the things that's hard for athletic coaches is that we are focused on the life coaching and skill coaching of the athletes. And like, I don't, I can't have 30 more clients in, in life coaching. I can't. I can't. Cause I'm yeah. focused on the kids and coaching them in all the ways in the life coaching, in the athletic coaching. And I'm, I'm being available to them, but I can't be available to life coach all these parents through it. I mean, if, if someone had, I've been on teams that are hundred kids, 200 kids, 700 kids, you can't life coach each parent no. through it. And I think, and I think that's, that's why hard. we, we're doing what we're doing is so that we can help those parents kind of see the difference in, you know, if you, if you took 
all of your emotion out, which is so hard because we feel so deeply for our kids when things go wrong and we just want to fix it. But if we can, like you said, desensitize towards that and just know that's part of their learning, it's part of their growth. If we step back and just let them grow and, you know, be successful where they're at until they can get to the next level and learn from where they're at, be present where they're at and be okay with it and help them through it and not internalize it to be part of us. And And you know what? You might not be okay with it. Like that pain. But we have have to teach them how to be okay with it. You do. You know, and you got to move through it. It's just like always remembering and teaching. Like I, as a coach, as a parent, failure is a part of life. And if you don't fail, you can't grow. You know, like you have to, you know, you have to break your bad habits. You have to use the wrong techniques. You have to do it wrong to be able to do it right, to be able to grow, to be able to be stronger and better. And no matter what sport it is, no matter what it is, it's just life. And so I think as a coach and as a parent, if you can just remember that and you can teach that to your kid, like, I know this hurts right now. I know it sucks to fail. And I know that you're going through it and I feel it, but think of how you feel right now and you don't want to feel like this again, keep pushing forward. And if you keep pushing forward, you will get through it. And then you'll be so excited once you achieve, you know, like past that failure, you know, you do it right for the first time. It's like the greatest reward. So like, just remembering you have to be able to fail to be able to grow. Yeah. Long-term holding on to that. Everything's going to be okay in the journey. Even if it doesn't look like the journey I thought I was going to have, you, you're you still going to be okay. And I think the more times you work through little problems, the more able, the, the, the greater the capacity you have to work through bigger, deeper hurts and, and you know, the, the feelings that we find super uncomfortable. It, it It's all well and good to say to somebody that's having an emotional reaction whether that's a parent or a kid that we can get through this we'll work all the logical things that we all know when we're physically in a good space, but when we're physically not in a good space, the gap between those things is hard. And I think helping people build bridges between their minds and their hearts when they're incongruent is really important. And that's what we're trying to teach our kids to do so they can be good adults is because they're going to have times when logically they understand and emotionally they don't. So have you helped them build that bridge to, to having, having alignment. And once you have alignment, I feel like you can process that through. But when you, when, when you know that this is going to be okay and you hurt, you know, that can foster shame too. I'm not supposed to be feeling this way. No, it's okay that you feel that way. Mm -hmm. It isn't that you're not supposed to be feeling that way it's, it's that moving through that feeling will bring you to a place where you don't feel that way. Yes. And, and sometimes that's hard to explain and hard to express. I mean, as adults, we and helping them immune. to understand that, you know, it's part of the journey again, and it's part of learning, you know, if you feel shame, why, you know, if, if there's something that you've done, obviously you need to fix it. You know, if there's shame there for whatever reason, then yeah, like you said, you need to move through it and you need to understand why. 
And then you'll yeah. ask that to be able to grow and to learn further. Well, putting language to it, I think helps them do that. So I, I think one of the things that kids don't necessarily come by naturally is the difference between guilt and shame. You know, I mean, if you're feeling guilty, you need to make amends. You need to apologize. You did something outside of you. If you feel shame, that's a different thing. That's feeling like something's wrong with you. And yeah. no, that's not where we're going to go. Guilt. Yeah. I think you ride guilt. I think you, you ride that guilt horse and you get better shame you do not ride that horse you don't even look at that horse you got to figure out how their 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 self system can say okay i can shift that there's nothing wrong with me i'm in the middle of growing and i did a thing i would like to not do that thing and 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 move past it that way but the more shame they feel the less confident they're going to be and the more they're going to bring toxic vibes to everybody else and so i think Sometimes when we, when we have a situation where we want it not to happen again, making a guilt shame distinction is a pathway to moving forward because mm. nothing moves forward in shame, but, mm. but I think things do move forward in guilt and sometimes that's appropriate and you work with it. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So good. Um, thank you so much for all of your wise wisdom and, um, talking to us today um do you have any like last words that you'd like to share with everybody before we sign off ah nah just like life is hard it's okay it's hard for everybody (laughs) we'll we'll get through it together like let's be nobody knows what's actually going on we're all just trying to just go (laughs) just ride it happy talking more and communicating is is where it needs to be and just more of that between everybody in a better more emotional positive way and so we appreciate you so much and it was so good to see you um good luck for having me on i appreciate it and um hopefully we will be able to have you on again at a later date so that would be awesome so um, thank you again. Thanks everybody so much for watching. Um, don't forget to go ahead and like and subscribe below. Um, we're super excited about everything going on. We are going to start Coaches Week. This is our beginning for Coaches Week. So Megan, thank you for being a part of that. You're the a great addition to it. Um, don't forget to go get your workbooks on our website, www.letstalkpma.com. And we will see you all next week. Thank you.